0: Good morning. My name is Aaron. This morning, our scripture reading is from the book of Acts. Please follow along in your Bible or use the screens. I'll be reading verse 8 through 20 from chapter 14 in the New Revised Standard Version. In Lystra, there was a man sitting who could not use his feet and had never walked, for he had been crippled from birth. He listened to Paul as he was speaking. And Paul, looking at him intently and seeing that he had faith to be healed, said in a loud voice, Stand upright on your feet. And the man sprang up and began to walk. When the crowd saw what Paul had done, they shouted in the Lyconian language, The gods have come down to us in human form. Barnabas they called Zeus, and Paul they called Hermes because he was the chief speaker. The priest of Zeus, whose temple was just outside the city, brought oxen and garlands to the gates. He and the crowds wanted to offer sacrifice. When the apostles Barnabas and Paul heard of it, they tore their clothes and rushed out into the crowd shouting, Friends, why are you doing this? We are mortals just like you, and we bring you good news that you should turn from these worthless things to the living God who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and all that is in them. In, the, in past generations, he allowed all the nations to follow their own ways. Yet he has not left himself without a witness in doing good, giving you rains from heaven and fruitful seasons and filling you with food and your hearts with joy. Even with these words, they scarcely restrained the crowds from offering sacrifice to them. But Jews came there from Antioch and Iconium and won over the crowds. Then they stoned Paul and dragged him out of the city, supposing that he was dead. But when the disciples surrounded him, he got up and went into the city. The next day he went on with Barnabas to Derbe. The word of the Lord.
1: Well, good morning. My name is Julie Steele, and I'm one of the pastors here at Evergreen. I'm excited to share the message with you this morning. So this morning, we are continuing in our series as we look at the Acts of the Apostles and how the early church was formed. Saul has now become Paul, and he and Barnabas are embarking on their first missionary journey. Well, the title of our message is Misguided Worship. Misguided Worship. Worship means putting a high value or worth on something or someone. Our worship is misguided when we place that value on something that is not worthy of our worship. So today, our story begins with Paul and Barnabas entering the city of Lystra, as Aaron read for us, and they healed a man. The crowds think now that Paul and Barnabas are gods, Zeus and Hermes come in human form. The priest of Zeus even brings out oxen and garlands so that people can sacrifice and worship Paul and Barnabas as gods. Here's what this picture may have looked like. I don't know about you, but I'm always curious about old artwork and how uh, biblical scenes were perceived a long time ago. So you can see, it looks like a lot of chaos and mayhem going on there. Well, the purpose of miracles or healing are always to point to God. The miracle in this case was for the purpose of showing that the message that Paul and Barnabas were bringing was from God. And even in the Gospel of John at the very end, we're told that all the signs and wonders that Jesus performed were for the purpose of people believing in the one true God and that was Jesus. So miracles and healings definitely still happen today. But, Not everyone gets healed. We all know this, right? And it can be very confusing. It doesn't mean you don't have enough faith, even though in this passage it says that Paul looked intently at this man and saw that he had faith. It could mean that God has another plan for you. And even Paul himself, he asked three times to be healed from what he said was a thorn in the flesh And God said no. In Paul's case, and in many of ours, God wants to show us that his power is made perfect in our weakness. I love this verse in Corinthians, so do not lose heart, even though our outer nature, which is our physical body, is wasting away, our inner nature, which is our spirit, our eternal part, is being renewed day by day. There's such a contrast between this wasting away and renewed day by day. You know, our bodies, our human mortal bodies, are wasting away. But our inner nature, which is that eternal part, is actually going the opposite direction, or at least should be. It should be or could be getting stronger and healthier as we grow in our eternal perspective and in our faith. So if you're here today, are you in a place of you feel like you're losing heart because your situation, you don't see God resolving it? Maybe it is a health situation. Maybe it's a relationship or some other need where you are not seeing God hand in it. Maybe this can be an opportunity for God to strengthen your inner nature, your spirit, so that you can thrive in the midst of it. God does not promise to heal or remove our difficulties, but he does promise to provide what we need in the midst of them. Well, in this case, This man was healed physically, and the crowd was confused and misguided in who was behind the power for this miracle. You see, this was the first sermon that was addressed to primarily Gentiles now. There's no mention of a synagogue in Lystra, so this crowd, they wouldn't have any knowledge of the Hebrew's God. So why would these people react this way, this chaotic way? Why did they just assume that Paul and Barnabas were these gods? Well, it could have come from a legend that was told around Lystra. Zeus and Hermes had come to Earth in disguise, and none of the land would show them hospitality except these two peasants who took them in. As a result, the whole population was wiped out except this couple, and they were made guardians of a temple and then turned into great amazing trees when they died. This was the legend. So when Paul came in and healed this crippled man, the people of Lystra, they weren't gonna make the same mistake as the people had before in this legend. So they quickly bowed down to worship them as gods. These people were locked in a religious system that kept them terrified of angering gods. Paul tells them that, hey, we're just mortals. We're just humans like you. And he urges them to turn from their worthless things to a living God. Now, as soon as Paul and Barnabas realized what was happening, they quickly tried to set this crowd straight. And we too, if we're Christians, need to take the opportunity to enlighten people about who God is because there is a lot of confusion out there. Many people today do live in fear of an angry God, a God who's waiting to get them as soon as they do something wrong. It's up to us to give the full picture of who God is, a loving, faithful God who wants all people to be in a relationship with him. They were misguided in who they worshipped, and Paul needed to turn them to the truth. Now, in this particular passage, he doesn't refer to scriptures or the history of Israel, which he has done previously to the Jewish people, because this group would have no way to relate to it. They had no knowledge of that. There was no point of reference there for them. So, Paul used nature and human experience to connect them to the nature of God. He used what they knew to move them to what they didn't know. He appeals to them on the basis of what they could understand. He describes nature and demonstrates God's goodness through His created order, which we all can see. He gives rain from heaven, He gives crops in their seasons, and provides food and fills their hearts With joy, it says. He meets their physical, emotional, and spiritual needs. This is far from what they heard about the Greek gods or the Roman gods who cared little, if at all, for human beings. Paul tells them the true God, the living God, cares about them enough to provide whatever they need whenever they need it. He recognized that they were misguided and ignorant in their beliefs. And meeting them where they were was the only way to help them see who God was. You know, meeting people where they are can be kind of tough sometimes. It takes time to figure out where they are spiritually and what their belief system is. But that's the only effective way for us to be able to show who Jesus is to other people. Now, we know that in nature, it says that God has given us a witness of himself. Ever since the creation of the world, his eternal power and divine nature, invisible though they are, have been understood and seen through the things he has made. So they are, and we are, without excuse. Now, Paul uses... Nature, like I said, because we all can see it, and we all can understand something bigger and greater than us has to have created all of this. I love the ending to this story. The next day, he went on with Barnabas to Derby. Here, he had beaten up, stoned to death. They thought he was dead. Not so. He pops up and moves on to the next calling. He didn't even take a sick day or a personal day. Kind of interesting. Well, what I find interesting too is that the same people who were worshiping Paul and Barnabas, now they stoned him. We humans can be very fickle, can't we? I know I can, my husband can attest to that. When I was in labor with my first son, Barry was trying to figure out how to be helpful to me. Do you remember this? Yes. He would hold my hand, and I'd say, Don't touch me! And then he'd walk away, and I'd say, Don't leave me! And he, my emotions were going crazy. I didn't know what I wanted, and he was just trying to figure it out. I was being very fickle. Well, it's been said that there's a fine line between love and hate. We tend to let our emotions rule our actions. What is right today could be wrong tomorrow. The unreliable nature Of popular belief makes it an absurd source of authority in what we believe and what we do remember Palm Sunday Jesus was hailed as King by Friday he was crucified it's because the people were misguided in who they were worshiping They were not worshiping Jesus, but instead they were worshiping a Messiah who would do what they wanted him to do. When that didn't happen, they turned on him, just like the crowd in Lystra did with Paul. Well, what are some of the things, just some of the things that we can misguidedly worship? I have a little list here. People, celebrities, sports figures, royalty, How many of you watched the last royal wedding? I did, I admit it. I've watched them all. We tend to idolize or worship people we've never even met just for what they have done or who they are. How many of you know who Adam West was? A few of you, okay, Adam West was an actor who played Batman on the hysterical Batman TV show. Years ago, I was in Arizona at a department store, and I found out that he was there autographing pictures of himself. Now, my kids loved Batman, so I stood in line for three hours to get his autograph on a picture. I wasted three hours of shopping time to get a mere mortal's signature and we don't even know where it is now. We worship people, we worship activities. Why are we all too busy? Because we put too high a value on doing rather than being. There are so many studies, I did a lot of reading this week, I won't share them all with you, that show the emotional, physical side-effects of busyness. I saw one article titled, Busy is a Sickness. We are saying when we are so busy with our activities, all good activities, but we're so busy with those activities, we think we're not productive if we're not doing something all the time. And what about our health? Now, being healthy is a good thing. Taking care of the body that God gave us, that God created us to be, that is good. However, when it becomes an object of our worship, that's not good. Staying in shape is good, but it can be a source of pride, also, of just who we are and what we've done. Now, fortunately, this is definitely not one of my issues. Well, we also worship traditions, don't we? There are certain things that have to be done a certain way at a certain time in our family, right? We all have these traditions. We hold them very tightly. It's one of the biggest sources of conflict when a couple gets married, I can tell you. How we celebrate holidays can make you wonder why you married that other person. You do what when? That doesn't make any sense. Well, for Barry and I, it was when you open Christmas gifts, the morning, of course, what foods you eat, raspberry jello mold had to be on the table, and what age do you give your son his first pocket knife? Well, you shouldn't, for one thing. <laughs> well, we were able to make some compromises so that we both got what we wanted, kind of. I got my Jell-O, and he got his yucky liver pate. We did one gift at night and the rest in the morning. However, I was completely blown off when it came to the pocket knife thing. There was no compromise on that one. They got it when they were seven. Traditions are very much tied to our emotions. And here's a real obvious one, money. We can easily worship our money and our resources. Now, having money or nice things, we know that's not a problem. That's not sinful. God says that's fine. He gives us things to use for him. He intends for us to use our money and our resources, our talents, all that we have, for eternal purposes. He gives us temporary things to use for eternal purposes. It's when we start thinking that it's ours or we've earned it that we are then in misguided worship and we are worshiping temporary things at that point. What about church? Church is all about worship, so how can we be misguided with that? Well, don't we all worship what we think church should be like. If it doesn't look like that, we find a new one. We can cross over from worshiping the institution over the mission. And that's what the Pharisees did, which is why the Jews came when they heard what Paul and Barnabas were doing. They didn't like the message that they were bringing because it was gonna blow up their institution. Paul and Barnabas' mission was to bring the message of Jesus Christ, but the Jewish leaders only cared about the preservation of their institution. They were misguided in their worship and were misguiding the crowd, too. How things were done was much more important than who they were done for. The Jewish leaders were blinded to the truth because they worshipped the institution, which is there to support The mission, not the other way around. And what about nature? We live in a beautiful, beautiful place. My favorite part of nature is the mountains. When I look at a mountain, I am awestruck by its beauty. But if I stop there, then I miss being awestruck by the one who created that mountain. And so my worship would be misguided or misplaced if I am worshiping something that's been created. Now, I have a view of Mount Sai from my bedroom window, and I firmly believe that God created Mount Sai just for me. When I look at it, I am reminded of God's power, his creativity, and his beauty. I see the creator, not just what he created. Now, I have found something that is worth my worship, And God agrees with me, and all of you grandparents out there are going to agree with me, too. Yes, we worship these two little girls, Barry and I. They have us in the palm of their hand. And all of you grandparents out there, I know, you're shaking your heads. You get it. But I need to be reminded that they, too, were created by God for his purpose. Now, none of these things we've talked about are bad in and of themselves, It's when we are misguided in worshiping them and not the one who gave them to us that we get into trouble. Paul and Barnabas did their best to guide this crowd into real worship. They explained to them that this was the one true God who created all things and gives all things, and that is the only one who is worthy of worship. Now, some applications for us. Do we acknowledge God's hand in the miracles that we experience? Or do we just see them as coincidence or even something of our own doing? How can we be like Paul and meet people where they are spiritually? Paul used what people knew to lead them to what they did not know. Reciting Bible verses to someone who does not know the Bible or who does not believe the Bible is not going to connect with them. We need to be sensitive to how we can guide someone else into worshiping God. Sometimes it's them seeing how we live our lives or the decisions we make that are going to help them be guided in their worship of the one true God. And is there something or someone that maybe you have put in a place of worship? Not knowingly, not consciously. Maybe you just are realizing, oh, I'm putting a really high value on this thing or this person, and maybe I need to step back from that and turn it around and put God first. If there is something or someone that you have done that with, I can guarantee you will be disappointed and disillusioned because they are just human experiences and human people. A struggle for me right now in my worship is that I am worshiping my past. Any of you ever see past times as better than before, the good old days, the glory days, right, we say? I am longing for an easier time. I want things to be the way they were five years ago. But you know, maybe you're worshiping the future. You long for a desire that has been unfulfilled. Maybe you want to be married, and you're not. And you long for children, or you want a different job. The problem with worshiping the past, or worshiping the future, is that we miss out on what God is doing in our present and he is. Be honest and ask the question, what am I putting value or worth on right now? If it's not God, you're wasting your worship on worthless things. I remember a song some of you may remember, Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus. That that chorus comes through my head and I believe it's the Lord bringing that to my mind constantly. I'm not going to sing it for you because I like you all too much. I'm just going to read the words. Turn your eyes upon Jesus, look full in his wonderful face, and the things of earth will go strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. I'm going to end with this verse in Matthew. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. If we're seeking God's kingdom above all, we are worshiping him alone, then we will not be misguided in our worship of what he gives. Our money, our activities, our health, our jobs, everything that we have that's temporary will be put into perspective, into eternal perspective that reminds us that he is the only one worthy of our worship. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are worthy of our worship. We thank you, Lord, that you tell us who you are in all that we see around us, that you want us to know you, that you want us to be in an eternal relationship with you. Father, help us today each to see what we are worshiping. Help us to be honest about that with you And give us the strength and the courage and the desire to turn from worshiping temporary, meaningless things to putting our total focus and worship on you, the one who is worthy of our worship. In your name we pray, amen.